will give everyone a sign. It's called uh, the Wonderful World. The song has a story. It was written in World War II. Very beautiful. I see trees of a What a wonderful world. Okay, do you, do you recognize this song? Yeah, I recognize okay. that song. <laughs> that rather unorthodox opener was by a Chinese cycle tourist who spotted my son Josh in the Xinjiang province of China and decided to serenade him by the roadside with his little guitar to entertain his three fellow cycle tourists, all of whom were recording the episode on their phones. I'm Carlton Reed, and on this episode of the Spokesman Cycling Podcast, supported by Jensen USA, I interview my intrepid cycle-touring son, who is now actually back in the UK after his four-month journey from China. Josh picked up a carbon gravel bike at the Giant Factory in Shanghai, so I thought it would make a good story arc for Josh to almost finish his trip by visiting the Giant Factory in the Netherlands. I rode across to Lelystad to meet him, and after a factory tour, we cycled the 70 or so kilometres to Amsterdam, where, the next day, I started the interview while we were riding on the famous cycleway that cuts through the National Museum of the Netherlands. So, we went to the giant factory yesterday, Josh, and you got bits and bobs on your bike sorted out, so what did you get sorted? Uh, I got two new tyres. Now, a quick look through my gears. Okay, so you left Shanghai and you've had, we're going to hear some music as we're coming through the, we're coming through the, the, the cycle path of the Rijksmuseum here. Um, Josh, you've got some new tyres. Why do you need new tyres? Because the delamination of the tube and the tyre on my tubeless tyres was coming undone a bit and I was getting a bit of uh, bloating. Okay, and we'll, just, we'll go around, Josh. So the tyres, in fact, we'll just, we'll just carry on going round, Josh. We'll just go, we'll go through that. So the tyres the delaminated, but there were tubeless tyres. So you had no punctures in effect. No, I had a, my rear tyre was going down a little bit, but I just put more sealant in and they sealed. So from now on, would you use tubeless tyres on a... Oh yeah, definitely. I'm a total convert. So what you got on here, you've got two front panniers. Yeah, one rear. And they are, where they're from? They're from Arkel. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant brand. And then you bodged on your front also, you've got a, you basically you're carrying a North Face um, duffel bag and you bodged that to being a backpacking bag. Yeah, so I just cut it up and zip tied it on. It rubs on the tyre sometimes, but just tighten the zip ties and it works all right. So what have you got on the front there, then what's actually in there? Just clothes and my bivy sack. Uh-huh. On the front. And then you've also got a, a GoPro on the front. Yeah. And then I've got a uh, re is it restrap? Restrap, a frame bag. Yeah, and then a giant um, top tube food bag. And do they give you that at the factory? Do they? Uh, no, they they gave me that in Urumqi, in Xinjiang. I was at a bike shop and they just gave me that and a load of um, oil and sealant. I, I, you you visited lots of giant shops. Yeah, so all the way through China, I visited lots of giant shops. It, in every big city, there was a giant shop in China. Let's squeeze through here, Josh. Get away from the traffic. Everybody else is squeezing through. I think we ought to too. Of course, the cars just get stuck when we got 
we get through nicely. And we're stuck by a traffic jam. Go right, follow the cyclist, go on then. So we're just aimlessly going through Amsterdam. But it's nice to go through with all the cyclists, of course. And then on the back, Josh, well, apart from what the baggy, the Arkel bag you've got, there's a, there's a memento you've got. What's that? I've got a Vietnamese hat, which I got on the border of China. And that's lasted quite well, because that's been on the back of your bike all that time. It's starting to fall apart a little bit, but gives it more character. Yeah. Have you been wearing it as well, or is it literally just decorative? No, I've been wearing it. I wore it in the desert when it was very hot, but then it's got cold, so I've not been wearing it. So why did you want to do what you did? Why did you even think? Where did it come from? Where did the idea come from, and why did you want to do it? Well, I've heard stories of your cycle tours. I want to do a big one of my own. And what a better way to do it than cycling home. You're always getting closer. Rather than going away, you, if you're cycling away from home, you're always like thinking, oh, I'll just go back now. Whereas if I'm always going home, so I'm always getting closer. Hmm. Yeah, so most people kind of... The route you did, we'll go through that in a minute, but the route you did, you were kind of going... The opposite way that most people would, would, would do it. So people would normally cycle to Shanghai, to China. Yeah. And you cycle from Shanghai, yeah. from China. So you were going the opposite way to most cycle tourists. Yeah, did, you, did you see many? Uh, in China, I saw two going the opposite direction. Well, Western cycle tourists anyway. Mm. Um, they were both going towards Beijing. Um, yeah, it was weird. Didn't, didn't see many Westerners in the whole of China, apart from a few tourist spots the terracotta warriors and if there was a few in shanghai um other than that wasn't many many tourists at all um i saw more in tajikistan along the pamir highway there was a lot of cycle tourists there because pamir highway is now like a magnet people yeah. fly in there don't yeah. they? They don't a lot of people out. fly into dushanbe which is the capital of tajikistan um and then they cycle the pamir highway there's there's three routes you can take you can take um, one, the Wakan Corridor, which I didn't do because it was really sandy and a lot of people push their bikes along that. But it's it's beautiful. Like, um, the mountains out there are incredible. Do you do that with a fat, fat bike? Yeah, that would be cool. It, it's very, there's a lot of um, corrugated on the road because of all the trucks on there. Um, then you've got the just the normal Pamir Highway, which is the route I took. And then you also have the um, Bartang Valley, um, which... The person who actually told me first about the Pamir Highway in China, they did the Bartang Valley, which cuts off a bit, but like goes into the middle of nowhere. Um, and is you need to take a lot of food with you. And I didn't take any cooking equipment, so I decided to just stay on the, the main-ish road, <laughs> which is still full of potholes. Um, and the Pamir Highway is, is an attraction because it's the second highest kind of road you can get to and it's just beautiful mountains around why why are people going out to do the Pamir highway it's just it's beautiful scenery you cycle along afghanistan for 300 odd kilometers um the border yeah and you can see over the river and it's like the the roof of the world people call it it is beautiful it's it very tough you go up to i think the highest point i was on that trip was um 4600 meters so you mentioned Afghanistan there. So before you did this trip and we were 
you were sitting there on your phone on an iPad researching yeah. the, the geopolitics of the region. You're asking me, can I go here? Can I go there? And we said, well, no, not really, because there's a war there and there's, you know, fighting here. So has this trip given you a better appreciation of geopolitics than the fact that you can't, you can't really go there? And here's the reason why you can't go, can't go there. Yeah, definitely. I also realise that there's, there's friendliness everywhere. And in the news, you hear of a few bad eggs, but generally people are very kind. Yeah, I went to a lot of countries that I probably wouldn't have. I didn't even know Tajikistan existed until <laughs> until I decided to cycle there. Um, I, I, originally, I was going to cycle through China um, into Kazakhstan, and just stay in Kazakhstan all the way across. But then this cycle tourist in um, China um, told me to go to the Pamir Highway. So I did. Mm-hmm. So that was a detour. Yeah. So it wasn't like Big, on your route. Yeah, yet. I, t- I took quite a few details. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't a fast and out route. So this, let's just stress that this wasn't um, a record-breaking no. attempt. This wasn't you weren't raising money for charity. Uh, you weren't doing this for a bet. This was just fun. <laughs> you're fun. It was just enjoyment. Type two fun. <laughs> yeah. So you could, in other words, detour. So yeah. if you're on a, a record-breaking attempt, you're not going to yeah. detour. You're going to be no head mm-hmm. down. But did you do head down days as well? Oh, I don't, it's not fun if you don't do head down days. <laughs> yeah, I definitely pushed myself. But I didn't have lights that lasted long enough. So I'd do 260 kilometers and want to keep on going. But I just, <laughs> the lights would die. <laughs> That's a good point about equipment for a future trip. What would you take different to what you took on this trip? I'd definitely take better lights that lasted longer. Dynamo? I'd get a dynamo. That's that's pretty much it, though. Um, well, uh, I, I'd go a lot lighter. Well, but you're like, you ain't really light, Josh. <laughs> lighter, you had no yeah. cooking equipment. You didn't have a tent. You just had, I had a lot of souvenirs. Bag. You had a, <laughs> there's more souvenirs <laughs> in your bag than anything else. You're right. So the things that you would maybe take different, you because you're electronics. You had you yeah. had a fair bit of electronics. You had a phone. Yeah. You had a GPS tracker. You had a drone. A GoPro. You had a GoPro. Two GoPros. Two GoPros. <laughs> so that's a lot of electronic equipment. So you were a bit stuffed yeah. if you couldn't get electricity. So how were you coping with no electricity? I had two battery packs. And then I'd stop in a, in a hotel or a hostel every week or two. Um, and people offered you accommodation all the time, so you just charge up when you could. But what about solar power? Yeah, that, is it, you, lot, you can get devices yeah, that you, you can power. From a your lot bike. of people did, like other cycle tourists along the Pamir Highway had um, solar devices. But if you've got a dynamo, you don't need that. Hmm. Just allows you to keep on going a, a lot longer if you haven't got a dynamo. So that's something you'd consider yeah. for the future, oh, then, for future yeah. trips would be just different ways of yeah. powering your mm-hmm. bike. Yeah. And how are you going to how are you going to go lighter? I, I'm, I'm trying to understand. I wouldn't how have the get... two front panniers on the front. Right. I'd have. Just a frame bag, one on the handlebars, the the rear rear saddlebag. But the, I mean, half of that front bag was probably the drone, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and the air mattress. Yes, it's a very comfortable air mattress. That yeah. One. Yeah. So that is that is you oh, could say that's your one big luxury, isn't it? Yeah. It was, it was very mattress. very comfortable, but when especially when you're tired, sometimes you just can't be bothered to pump it up. It takes like three or four minutes to blow into it. And especially when you're up at altitude, there's no way you want to do that. And just because you're so knackered, you're kind of, you're, you're falling off your bike and you're just falling into bed. You don't want to be... Pretty much. I was pretty lucky where my lights died most of the time, though. There was times where my lights would die and I'd, be, I'd look across the road and there'd be a watermelon stand. 
and I'd go up to it and they'd give me a watermelon for free and they'd be have a, like a bed in there and they'd just say I'll sleep there for the night. <laughs> let's talk about uh, where you, let's talk about the route. So mm-hmm. we're, we're not looking at a map here. We're not looking at your GPS tracker. Let's just go from memory. So you're in Shanghai. Yep. Do you know? Can you remember provinces? Well, I went beelined for like Xi'an, which is in the like pretty much center of China. Why was that? Um, it's just on the way way up to towards Xinjiang, Kazakhstan. Um, it's where the terracotta warriors are, and it was the old capital city of China. Um, and it's where the um, Great Wall, the Silk Road starts Silk Road, in okay. uh, Xi'an. Um, so I I made my wiggle my way up there. Um, oh, and the if I remember correctly, the descent down into Xi'an was incredible. It was through like mountain mountains and through gorges. It, yeah, it's beautiful that descent. And you only had a set time. I mean, you did get an extension, but you only had like th- was it thirty days visa to originally, and you had yeah. to get out of China in thirty days, which is pretty tough. Yeah. So I got my um, Chinese visa in Bangkok, which saved me a lot of money. It was like, like half the price of what it would cost me in the UK. And then I cycled for like 20 days. And because I was, I probably could have cycled through China in 30 days if I'd been pushing it and like going every day. But because I was doing a few detours to different tourist sites, um, I kind of lost a few days doing that. So I was like, I don't want to risk having to pay a fine at the border. And I'm not, I'm not racing. I may as well just, and where I did get the, um, the, the visa renewal was where the Great Wall is. So I was like, oh, I'll just spend a few days looking around here. Okay, so you're successful. You didn't go into Mongolia. That would have stuffed your whole trip, wouldn't it, if you yeah. had gone into <laughs> Mongolia, because then you can't get into other countries. But where did you go from, from, from China then? Uh, from China, I went into Kazakhstan, and then into Kyrgyzstan, and then Tajikistan, and then Uzbekistan, and then I went back into Kazakhstan. Uh, Uzbekistan, where you're not allowed to fly drones. You yeah, to like, so I, I smuggle smuggle my drone into Uzbekistan. If any Uzbekistan secret police are kind of listening to this, no, you didn't. You did, you, you just didn't have your drone at that point. You <laughs> they were, they were very friendly at the border. <laughs> um, Basically, they didn't they didn't scan your bags. Oh, they did. They there was there was like one guy was like, no, you don't need to scan them. Let's just go. But this one army guy really wanted um, some bags scanned. So you just said, oh, scan two bags. So I gave him the two bags that didn't have the drone in. So that, that was pretty lucky that you only asked for two. Do you think because you're on a bicycle and you're, you're, you're really not very threatening mm-hmm. if you're on a bicycle, do you think you were given more leeway on searches, on, on just in general, in all parts of the world you've been in because you're a, a crazy cyclist? And, you, and of course, you're by yourself and you're young. Do you think you were given lots of leeway? Probably, but they definitely scan, some countries definitely scan the bags, like, properly. Especially going out of China. Although, they didn't find the drone, so... Because you also had two GoPros, you said. So you, you were doing videos, mm-hmm. and you, you got more and more followers as you were, you were going along. So people mm-hmm. liked, the like, like 10-minute travelogues, basically, mm-hmm. of you... I mean, I'm assuming it was the iPhone you were holding out. I, I filmed most things on the iPhone. Mm. And then you were doing the, 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 the video, the cutting the video, including dropping footage in from the yeah, drone. all on the iPhone. All on the iPhone. Yeah. So that is traveling light in mm-hmm. that you know, you're not laptop. carrying a laptop or yeah. anything. You're doing everything on the iPhone. Yeah. And that worked okay? Could you, you had lots of yeah. extra time to be able to do that sort of thing? 
Well, just when it got dark, I'd, I'd spend a few, day, a few, like an hour or so every night. Where was the last one you've just said there? Where uh, you... Tajikistan. Tajikistan. Okay, so where from there? Uh, into Uzbekistan. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and the, the buildings out there are really beautiful. Lots of um, light blue mosaic-y. Mosques. This is Islamic yeah. still. Yeah. Uh, the roads still pretty bad though. All Central Asian Asian roads are pretty bad. But the, yeah, the food was terrible though. The food's terrible. Yeah, I, like out there, I was pretty much living on um, bread and tomatoes. Because we ought to say here, you are at least you attempt to be vegan. Yeah. So you've been a vegan for how long? Uh, four years. Okay. Four and how vegan was this trip? Like almost the whole way. Like just there's only a, f- a few occasions where. I, I accidentally ate horse cheese. <laughs> How did you accidentally eat horse cheese, Josh? Well, I was I was going down a descent and I saw these like balls, and they looked like date balls or something something like that, really sweet. And I was craving something sweet, so I was like, oh, I'll I'll try one of those. And then I I, I bite into it, and it's it's really sour. <laughs> and then a few miles down the road, <laughs> I see someone milking a horse. <laughs> I'm like, oops. <laughs> okay yeah and then when you're eating with um local families and you don't speak the language and they're quite poor and like in central asia you you tend to have just one plate with lots of utensils around and you share the meal so you just gotta eat around eat around the meat but inevitably like have a little bit so when i've been touring in exotic places and you've been the exact that situation and I've had like goats killed for me and all sorts. Uh, you often find that you're given the choicest cuts of meat, and they're almost saying like, "No, no, no, you have this mm-hmm. is the best bit of meat we've got. You have this. Yeah, you didn't get any of that. Um, you, could, you could avoid eating meat most of the time. Uh, in Tajikistan, there was we were invited. Me and a German guy were invited to for a meal with a um, the family, and. We didn't ask for any food. They just set off a tea and then loads of soups were brought out. And I thought it was just vegetable soup, but there was actually liver in there. And that night I was sick seven times. So I'd, I'd been cycling all day, dehydrated anyway, and then being sick all night, really dehydrated. In the morning, I'm just <laughs> like really dehydrated, like pissing brown. Um, that, that was the worst day, an awful day cycling after that. <laughs> Is that the day you broke your glasses? Yeah. So I was... Um, leaning over to grab a plastic bag that was about to fly away and lent on my glasses because I didn't want to get up because I was so out of it. And then the roads there were terrible as well, so I was just hitting potholes constantly all day with a banging headache and being had food poisoning. Was that your lowest day? Um, Mentally? Yeah, probably. And there's not a lot you can do. No, you just got to keep on going. Yeah. Especially but were when... you with a German guy at that point? Yeah, so I was just following this guy and just trying to hold on to his wheel. So you have cycled with, with people here and there? Yeah, I think I've cycled with three people in total, all, all along the Pamir Highway. Um, and me, at the end. Yeah, right at the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so most of the cycle tourists are on the Pamir Highway, and then um, not really many going through Europe either. So it's you're coming... off-season. Yeah. You, were, you were coming through in really the back end of the yeah. season. Not many cycle to. I mean, when we when we got the ferry mm-hmm. uh, from Amsterdam to Newcastle, I mean, there was no other bikes no. there, and there would be lots of bikes normally. 
on that ferry service. So yeah, the the, the season's finished for cycle tourists mm-hmm. when we came across. So which country have we got to now? Well, most cycle tourists. I think we got to where. Um, are we in are we at the Caspian Sea yet? Uh, no. Okay, so where go backwards and where are we? Um, I've been cycling through the desert in Uzbekistan, and then I I've slept in a few abandoned buildings, which is good. Give you a bit of shelter as it gets cold in the, at night in the desert. I'm I'm cycling with a, a German guy still, a different different German guy. <laughs> <laughs> I cycled two German guys, um, and we we get to the Caspian Sea, and we get to the ferry port, and uh, no one knows when the last ferry left. No one knows when the next one's going. Um, so we, we just, I blow up my blow up and just sleep for three days while I'm waiting for a ferry to turn up. So this is not like DFDS where it no, it's, it's regular. Not, I, I can't really call it a ferry. It's more like a freight ship. It was, yeah, it's a, a ship that yeah. so happens to be taking people, but it's actually yeah. taking goods and yeah, stuff. Yeah, pretty much. It's just taken. There was, a, there was a new train on there when we were going across. So it's, I think Kazakhstan maybe was shipping it to Azerbaijan or something. And then you were on the ferry for quite a while, weren't you? Even yeah, when you we got on. So we left at night and I went to sleep expecting to be almost in Azerbaijan by the morning. I poked my head out the window and I could still see Kazakhstan. So we were um, stuck at sea for 30 hours, just anchored up next to Kazakhstan because there was a um, storm out to sea apparently. So what should have taken 30 hours took 70. Meant we got more food, but it, it was rationed. <laughs> the food was good. But then I had to fill up on bread and tomato ketchup. Dry bread and tomato ketchup. <laughs> and then you got off the boat, and where are you then? Uh, in Azerbaijan, which is good. Lots of good pomegranate. Okay, so we are now, you, you were the pomegranate in Azerbaijan. Mm-hmm. Where'd you go from there? Uh, in, I cycled through all of Azerbaijan uh, into Georgia. Uh, I get to Tbilisi. Christian uh, now? Yeah. So that was your last Islamic country? Yeah. Food is good in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Lots of root vegetables and other stuff. Mm-hmm. Like the the Russians like really like Georgian food. It's like in Italian, they're Italian basically. It's Georgian. And then I went into Turkey after that, so I wasn't in Georgia for too long, probably like a week, right or less. And then you're at the north of Turkey, so you're yeah. not coming down south Marmaris or anything. You're staying at the top. No, I stay... Black um, Sea, basically. Yeah. I hug the coast of the Black Sea all the way along and to Istanbul. But it is great. You always always got tea in every place you stopped. And tell me about the bike shops Yeah, you've, you've been to. Because you had to go to bike shops here and there for, yeah. for running repairs. So China was brilliant. In every, every city, there's a giant shop. So I always just, if I needed something, I just stopped in a giant shop and they were always able to sort me out. So like my bolt broke in, in China when I was in um, in the desert, in the Gobi Desert. Um, but I, I was cycled like 300 kilometers and in, I think it was um, Hami that um, and then they were able to drill out the bolt because they know they know what they're doing. Um, and that was sorted, but then it broke again on the border of Afghanistan. And I tried a few times for people to drill it out, but because they don't know what they're doing and they're using way too big a drill bits and they're not mechanics, <laughs> um, they, they didn't do a good job and they were, I was, I was pretty scared for the bike. <laughs> so I always got them to stop, but then it like, there's, you can't see where the hole is anymore. 
So I just had to zip tie and bodge it, but it lasted all the way back. So all ended up all right. And then you had a bike shop in just outside Istanbul. Again, another giant bike shop. Yeah, they, they, were, they were very good. So I, did, I just turned up. Um, they were a bit curious about what I was doing with all the, the bags and where I'd come, for, come from. And I explained. And they gave me um, one of the um, mechanics in there. Um, let me sleep on their sofa for two or three days. Really helped me out. Was it in Georgia where there was a... Where was the restaurant, the Bicicleta? Uh, that's in uh, Bulgaria. That was in Bulgaria? Yeah. Okay, so we haven't got there yet. So, okay, let's, let's, let's talk about that in a second. Okay, so you're still in Istanbul. And how do you get from... Because Istanbul, we're now Asia. Mm-hmm. You cross across the Bosphorus and then you're kind of Europe. Yeah. So how do you get across the Bosphorus? I got a ferry. Just the easiest way. Just a, a quick ferry? Yeah. It's like 10 minutes. All right, okay. So 10-minute ferry, and all of a sudden... You're in Europe. You're in Europe. Yeah. You, you've come across so cycled, Asia. Yeah, the whole way through across Asia uh, into Europe. And is that... So you've crossed the Bosphorus, and you're still in Turkey for a little bit? Yeah, so I was in Turkey for another two days. Um, but it, it really rained quite hard then. I had a quite bad rain day. Um, which is... I had a few rain days along the Black Sea coast. It's known for its rain there. Um... So I'd gone through the whole of Central Asia without seeing any rain and then coming to Turkey and getting rain again, which wasn't so nice. Um, I mean, you were racing against the weather in many respects. And yeah. Now you, you know, if you're still coming through Europe in December, mm-hmm. you're going to get lots of rain days. Yeah. So there was that aspect to it. You were trying to yeah. get... Well, there was, there's lots of places in Turkey I'd love to go to. In Cappadocia, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, not along the Mediterranean would be cool. Um, but it was getting cold in Europe, so I decided to skip it. And the, the issues with Syria at the time. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I'll, I'll stay along the Black Sea coast and I can come back at some point. So, <clears throat> you're in Turkey. Where do you go from Turkey? Uh, I went briefly into Greece. I was in Greece for about an hour, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so I went across the border at 11 o'clock at night. And then cycled. I was going to maybe sleep in Greece, but I just decided to keep on going. And then I went into Bulgaria, where I slept under... Um, a um, service station that was closed for the the night. Do you get Wi-Fi there? Because you're getting Wi-Fi in some odd places, aren't you? Yeah. Service stations have got Wi-Fi. Yeah, some, some Wi-Fi, yeah. Cafes have got Wi-Fi. So yeah. you, were, you were ringing up on FaceTime and stuff. Yeah, so well, I don't, I don't some... have AS. I never had a SIM card the whole way, whole way across. You're now in Bulgaria? Yeah. I didn't sleep outside too much, actually. I always was going to sleep outside. And then people would just offer me places to stay. Um... People you've just met yes. in the evenings and... Yeah, so I was one night I was camping in a field while I was setting up my tent and then a guard dog started barking at me. And then this guy comes over, a security guy, um, and just asked me a few questions. He t- can't really speak English, but he kind of understood that I'd cycled from China. And then he, he gets a pad of paper out, draws a house, draws a person, <laughs> points at me, <laughs> like basically meant come to my house. So there's a there's a bed up in his loft, and a really warm shower, and he and he feeds me. So are you really worried nice at all about any of these people? You're thinking, hang on, these could be mass murderers, and I've got no idea. I suppose, but you just got to trust people sometimes. <laughs> I mean, they're trusting you. You could be a mass murderer. Yeah. So it's trust on both sides, isn't it? I didn't experience anything anything bad, so mm. people are generally kind. And you were sleeping in mosques and all sorts. Yeah, I slept, you? in Turkey, I slept in a lot of mosques. You just turn up to a mosque, knock on the door, and they'll they'll help you out. 
Tell us about the village where you were, where the guy said, "Look, anybody in this village yeah. will put you up." So in Tajikistan, I was um, cycling towards the Afghanistan border. I'd not reached it yet. Um, and I was. It was getting dark, and I was cycling through this village, and there was a load of guys going to guys and girls going to um, prayer to the mosque. Um, and one of them just comes up to me and asks if I if I was all right. And um, I was asked if he, is there anywhere to camp around town? And he said, "There's any if you ask anyone in this village, you can stay in the house. <laughs> so he, he takes me up to these yobs who you in like Europe, you would not even go up to. Um, and he says, have you got anywhere for this guy to stay? And he takes me to his, his grandma's house <laughs> and gives me an Uzbekistan kind of like Central Asian, just basically sleeping on the floor. Um, but it's, it's really comfortable. You're in a, you're in a warm building. I'm used to sleeping outside, so that's nice. And then feeds me all night, um, and gives me a tour around around the area in the uh, in the morning, and then sets me on my way. See, I, I knew you'd be exotic in 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 lands such as that, but you were pretty exotic even into Europe. You were still getting that people yeah. helping you out, and yet you're no longer you're just a cyclist. Yeah, you, you could be anybody, and you were still getting this kind of help. Mm-hmm. From people that you've never met before, yeah, who were just the, the you know the kindness of strangers, even in Europe. So, mm-hmm. well, in um, Bulgaria again, I was cycling past an, uh, an Italian restaurant, and one of the waiters jumps out, says, "Do you want to try some pizza?" I'm like, "Sure." <laughs> and then the owner comes up to me and like chats to me a little bit, and then he just says, "The meal's on the house. Have a three course meal," and then. I'm about to leave, and he asks what I'm going to do. I'm going to—I was going to sleep outside of town, and he's like, "No, no, don't do that. Uh, I'll get you a hostel, leave your bike here, come back in the morning, and you can have—we'll make you some breakfast, and you can have a coffee, and, and you, you can get going." And he also tells me a route to to go in the morning, so I follow that the next day. So, but we go out the um, restaurant, um, walking towards the hostel, and he's like, "I'll—I'll oh, I'll just get put you in this hotel." So he puts me up in a hotel for the night. Which is really cool. Because we were also, you know, when we were keeping tabs on you and we were ringing you and you were ringing us and stuff, we were trying to get you in hotels and, you know, using booking.com and say, look, Josh, we can get you in this posh hotel here. And you, you very often actually said, no, I don't want to stay there. I want to stay in a hostel. Yeah. So why did you want, even though we were willing to put you up in a, a, a place, a nice, comfortable hotel, why did you then say, no, I want a hostel? Because when I'm cycling, I'm, I'm hours and hours and hours in my own head. And a hostel is way easier to go and talk to someone. <laughs> so it's nice to go and like speak to, speak to other people. Especially through China and Central Asia, where not many people speak a huge amount of English. So it's, it's nice to speak to other travellers. And you usually find people who speak English in hostels. So in a hotel, you're a bit more isolated. anonymous, isolated. You kind of shut yourself away. Yeah, I'm isolated all day, so... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay, Bulgaria. So this was a the restaurant was called Bicicletta. Yeah, La Bicicletta. La Bicicletta, and where was that in uh, Sofia? Sofia. So the, if anybody's in um, Sofia, um, there's a fantastic restaurant uh, called La Bicicletta. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, okay, so from Sofia, we're in Bulgaria. Where do we go? Where do you go next? From Bulgaria, I went to Serbia, and the drivers were dreadful there. <laughs> I got hit at one point by Wingmirror. Um, 
but I I cycled on like not the highway to start with and there was trucks and so much traffic on there coming very close to me so I decided to go onto the the toll road which had just opened and there was like one car every minute and I had a massive hard shoulder and I felt way safer so let's let's talk about that then so what kind of roads have been on? obviously in the desert mm-hmm. there's not a lot you can do you're on a, you're on a corrugated road probably yeah. you're on a dirt road a lot of the times but what about in China were there bike paths yeah the bike China? paths in China were very good why and the roads were really good as well you always if you didn't have a bike path you had a massive hard shoulder there was there was times where I'd, I'd cycle from one city to city and there'd be a bike path all the way along and were other cyclists on it or um no mopeds there, there was a lot of mopeds on there and like little farm yeah pretty tracks. much and I, I drafted them quite a lot of the time <laughs> so, <laughs> so the tractors were on the cycle paths not the tractors but like you've got little um tuk tuks kind of thing so I, I'd, I'd cycle on them quite a lot and then the next time where you got just a ton of bike paths is basically the netherlands or uh there was it got all right in austria it was, there was some good bike paths in austria and because you were you were following the river yeah that, you were following the danube yeah you were, you were following parts of the, the Eurovelo routes, mm-hmm. but you in, can't in Hungary, them all the time. it was it was way too wiggly. I didn't like it, so I just stuck on the roads, mm. and the bike paths weren't that good anyway. Mm. Austria got pretty good. So these are the bike paths, Eurovelo routes next to the river. Yeah, yeah. In Austria and Germany, the, the route was good, but in Hungary, Serbia, it, it wasn't so good. So we were in Bulgaria. Where do we go after Bulgaria? Serbia. Mm-hmm. Where do we go after Serbia? Um, into Slovakia, and then into Hungary. So Budapest. Actually, no, I went into Hungary first, mm-hmm. from Serbia, and then into Slovakia, and then into Austria, and then Germany. And these were, these, the, the countries are going, you know, yeah. thick and fast to this. Yeah, this so I was going through, like, sometimes three countries in a day. So Austria, so you went Budapest. Mm-hmm. I spent a day off there. I had my birthday in Budapest. So I, had, I went to the... um the Budapest baths on my birthday and I actually met um, another traveller in Vietnam and he happened to be in Budapest at the same time so it was, it was nice to go so just by accident you yeah. met in the baths or you could no, no, like, arranged um, it he, he messaged me on Instagram and like said he in Budapest and I was like yeah <laughs> and then went to the baths because wasn't there somebody in Central Asia that I follow on Instagram and you kind of somehow worked out uh, yes. No, there was someone in um, it was Uzbekistan, uh, Samarkand, that um, follows you on Twitter. They they saw me when they were cycling around and, and we got chatting for a bit. Yeah, very. It was a couple cycling from England around the world. Okay. So okay, we're now in Vienna. Yeah. So what? What? what or you? You're right, in the baths, the baths, Budapest, no, baths and Budapest. Okay. And then I went to Bratislava. And then mm-hmm. Vienna. And then my gears stopped working in Vienna, which is probably even better if they'd stopped working somewhere in Central Asia where it's cheaper. Cheaper, because <laughs> all the bike repairs starting to get very expensive, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> so I had to replace all my gears, cables in Vienna. And then, like... The in next... a giant shop, or was this just a... No, it was just a random shop. Probably should have gone to a giant shop, but it was closed at the time, I think. But Vienna is where you also popped in to see Turbolito. Yeah. That was cool. So uh, these are the guys who <clears throat> have got the very, very light, robust, mm-hmm. orange um, tubes, yeah. inner tubes, yeah? yeah? So you popped into there for me so you could take some photographs and stuff. Yeah, they, they were very friendly. 
I'll do an article on them at some point. Yeah. And that's coming up. So they were, they are Vienna. Yeah. So they then, because that was when we said, oh, Josh needs a bike shop. So and yeah. then they advised you where to go for the bike shop. Yeah. And I remember that was a pretty rainy day, wasn't it? It was a pretty yeah. yuck day. Yeah, it was a good day to have off. You're in Vienna. Where did you go from Vienna? Uh, from Vienna, I headed towards, um, headed towards Germany. Salzburg? You go through Salzburg? Uh, yeah, so I went on a bit of a, another detour. Went to Hallstatt. Oh uh, yes, up the, up the, the mountains. pretty village. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then to um, Salzburg, where I stayed with my first warm showers host. So what's trip. warm showers, Josh? Uh, it's just basically a. Um, it's like couch surfing, but, but it's just, just for bike touring. Um, do you think we should do this? Is this something you know to to feed back into the the global machine? Oh, I def- I'll definitely do it when I get my own place in Germany. You then tell me the tale about waking up in the morning. Okay, so and, an aer- and, a, and, a, and a train passes. I was really tired, and I was cycling at eleven o'clock at night. I go down to to reach my bottle to get a drink, and I grab my tire. <laughs> so I'm like, mm, maybe I should stop cycling. Uh, so I, I go in the next field, set up my bivy. You don't know what's there, basically. It's no, pitch it's, black. it's pitch black. <laughs> um, so I sleep, and then get up in the morning. Um, I go go to the toilet. And as if in slow motion, the train comes past as I'm going to the toilet. <laughs> You're having a wee, basically. Yeah. In front of the train line. Yeah. And then a, it's basically a panoramic fl- flash, train. Flash, 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 <laughs> flash a train. Um, and then I continue packing up my stuff. And then a police car sh- um, rocks up and two German blokes come out. Um, start questioning me in German. And like, I, don't, I don't speak German, sorry. <laughs> and then they ask if that's my bike and what I'm doing sleeping in a field. Uh, I tell them tell them my story and then they get very chatty after that. But basically, someone had called up and said, "It looks like there's been an accident. There's a bike in a field and a body bag <laughs> in a field." But it was all right. So as soon as they realise you're 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 tame, mm-hmm. yeah, you're free to go. Yeah, not a problem. Yeah, police have been very friendly on the trip. Once they realise what I'm doing, um, in Xinjiang, like the the Muslim province of China, um. You can only stay in certain hotels in a uh, a town which foreigners aren't allowed in certain hotels. But I, I was I was going to camp this night, but I went. There's a checkpoint in Xinjiang every forty kilometers that you've got to basically get your passport out and like spend an hour telling them what you're doing. And they don't talk to each other, so it's like you've got to do it over and over again. So the police forces in each cell, each different area, are not yeah. talking to the other. So if each 40 kilometers yeah. is going to tell the same story. They don't know you're coming. But I think China do that on purpose, just to keep a bit of control. Um, but I go through this checkpoint, and they escort me into town with flashing lights, and I've, they can't get my bike into the, uh, into the um, police car, so they get me to follow. But they, they take me, they say I'm, if I'm hungry... And so they take me out for dinner. So I basically rock into this restaurant with two policemen. And I'm, I'm sitting down. And I'm eating with chopsticks. Not very well. And they're not eating at all. They're just watching me. <laughs> so I'm, I don't know what these cooks are thinking. All these people in the restaurant, like, this guy's getting arrested and the, and the police are paying for his meal. But it takes them, like, an hour and a half before they find a hotel that I can sleep in. We we tried a few. They they did, the police didn't even know where I could stay, which is the, the thing because there's no tourists in this part of China. Mm. Um, so I start booking this hotel and I'm about to pay, and then two more police cars rock up and ten SWAT guys <laughs> jump out of these cars with bulletproof shields, guns, and batons, and rush into the hotel and like 
like saying, what are you doing here? Why are you in this town in the middle of nowhere in, in the province that China don't like you going into? Um, and they start taking me away, um, put my bike violently, which I wasn't too happy about, into their, into their truck and are about to whisk me away. And then one of them gets on the radio. Um, no, you can't actually stay there. So I reassemble my bike, get it out of the, um, the van and go back into the hotel. But it still takes like an hour and a half, two hours before I get a hotel room. It's like two in the morning. Two in the morning. I found this very funny to start with when they all rock up. And it's just me in the Lycra, really smelly, just like really wanted to sleep. (laughs) And they're trying to like, it's really funny to start with. And then it just didn't, when you don't get a hotel room until 2am, it's not funny anymore. Was that the the night when, because the president, she was there and you were were in one place, weren't you? Where you didn't actually know uh, why the SWAT team were there. But was that the day, the day that the president was there? Because it wasn't at the Rainbow Mountains that the president of no, China was in, there the um, next day. And that's why there's loads of SWAT around. No, no, this was further back. But this was before I went into Xinjiang. This was in, um, it's the where the sand dunes are in, oh, I forgot. It's it's where the, the, the grottos are, the, the really famous um, grottos in China. Um, with the big statues. With all, with all the paintings on the wall. Um, and that's where the president was yeah, there's the just next lots day. Of, there's lots of police about. But I, I went on a big detour to go. I went on a detour in a sand dune, in a sandstorm, to, to get to these sand dunes and these, these um, grottos. And then on, on the way back, um, I I slept under the road because they don't like you camping. So I generally went to set up camp when it was getting dark. Um, so people wouldn't see where you're going and then wake up when it, before it gets light. So we're still in, let's, let's, we're, we're back into China now. Let's go back into, into Germany. So you are weeing in the morning. This train passes, you're in Germany. So where are you after, after Germany? How, wh- how much of Germany are you in? Um, so I stop off in Munich. Um, I have a, my second warm showers host there. Very friendly couple from America who um, show me around um, Munich, which is really cool. It's always nice when you have a local to show you around so they know where to go. And then I went towards Luxembourg um, and the the Vemban. On that note, we will stop there uh, for a quick commercial break and we will cut across to David. Hey, Carlton, thanks so much. And hi, everybody. It's David. And I am here, well, you know why I'm here. I'm here to talk about our longtime loyal and fantastic sponsor, Jensen USA at jensenusa.com slash the spokesman. Remember, that's J-E-N-S-O-N-U-S-A.com. Now, what's Jensen USA? Well, if you don't know by now, you should. Jensenusa.com is the place where you're going to find all of the things that you need for your complete cycling lifestyle, complete bikes, mountain bikes, road bikes, gravel grinders, everything in between, components, apparel, accessory, tools, shoes, really gifts, everything you can imagine that you would need for your cycling lifestyle. And we're not talking about off-branded stuff. We are talking about name brands that you know, love, and need for your cycling lifestyle. You're going to find those name brands at incredible low prices, and that's all going to be coupled with unparalleled 
customer service. If you haven't been to Jensen USA before, I urge you to do it right now and every time you need something for cycling because they're going to have it at great prices and you're going to be very, very satisfied with their customer service. Go ahead and check them out. That's at JensenUSA.com slash The Spokesman. Our thanks to Jensen USA for supporting The Spokesman Cycling Roundtable Podcast and our thanks to you for supporting our sponsor, Jensen USA. All right, Carlton, back to you. Thanks, David. And we are back with Josh Reed, a globe girdler extraordinaire, as they used to say in the 1890s when people were cycling around the world at that point. Uh, so, Josh, you've remembered yeah. where you were. So the, the... De- the detour I took was to um, Dunhuang, where the, the big sand dunes are. And it's uh, Mago, Mago Caves, where the, um, the Chinese president was. Okay. So President Xi was there, and you didn't know at the time. No, but there was lots, lots of uh, security forces yeah. there, weren't they? And yeah. then because we're following you on, and and they're saying, "Hang on, that's where the president's just been." So or he's going the next yeah. day or something. So that's why there was lots of security presence. Um. Uh, so I, I go along the sand dunes, but it's, it's fenced off. So I, I try and find somewhere where I could kind of climb over the fence, and I'm, I'm about to climb over this fence, um, and then a Chinese guy comes up to me and says. <laughs> follow me so I follow him and he shows somewhere I can camp and then he has a key to a gate so he lets me through the gate and says you can you can go up there if you want take some pictures at the top of the sand dunes do you camp on the sand dunes or did you just... I camped at the bottom of them but he said be careful because people have wandered in there and never come back so. yeah. that's all my that's my funnest thing of, of cycle touring was going into a place like the Sahara mm-hmm. and sleeping on sand dunes mm-hmm. and then you've got the sky yeah, I and mean, that's one of the benefits. What people think, oh, why are you sleeping in in outdoors and you haven't even got a tent? But yeah. you just look up in the sky. Yeah, I slept under the stars every night. It's amazing. Just sleeping under the stars mm-hmm. is just unbelievable. Yeah. So I went from China when it was at night; it was still really humid. So I'd be in my bivy sack and I'd be sweating to going through Central Asia, and it's actually all right. It's quite pleasant to sleep in the bivy, except when you're up on four thousand meters and it's bloody freezing. Um, and then into Europe when your toes are cold every night. I didn't ca- um, carry any warm socks with me. I only had thin cycling socks, so my feet were always freezing. So we have reached the, and I called it the Venn Barn, because that's how it's spelled, but it's called, it's the Fen. It's actually an F. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's like the Fenlands, the Fenway. So you're on the, the Fen Barn, which is this fantastic uh, cycleway through Luxembourg. So you hit Luxembourg, basically. Yep. And there was very cute photographs, which you, you kind of pre-researched. So tell us about the, the photographs well, I, I, that you took. Was, I did my first cycle tour with you in Luxembourg um, when I was six or seven. Um, so I, I asked you to find those photos. You sent them across. Eventually found them. <laughs> and by accident, I go past the like little town that we got some of those photos in. Yeah. So I recre- recreated them. Yeah, so that was really cute. So there's a photograph of you as a seven-year-old yeah. <laughs> uh, in front of this, or the castle behind, and then you've you've asked somebody to take the photograph. Yeah. Uh, there you are in the, exactly the same place. That's amazing to, yeah. to see that. So that's basically a press trip but I, I, that we I did didn't, all those years ago. I didn't try and go there, though. I, that was just an accident. <laughs> mm. okay. So you've, you've, you, you get to Toivier, which is the start of... Uh, the the, yeah. the Fen Barn. Then you've got 125 kilometers mm-hmm. to do, which goes into Germany and to into yeah. to Belgium. Um, so describe what you've been doing on on that route. Then 
Um, basically just cycling and then taking footage for you. <laughs> <laughs> so you, took, you took me some drone photographs for me and I've got yeah. a Guardian piece coming up. So yeah. you, you took some photographs because I didn't see Monchau. Mm-hmm. In daylight, yeah, that that was that was a highlight of that um, little stretch. Yeah, Monchau was very really nice. cute. I, I did actually cycle past it, and then I had a, a nagging thing in my brain saying, <laughs> "My dad said that was that was the, a really cute town." I was like, "Fine, I'll go." <laughs> and then I, I'm really glad I, I'm really glad I went down there. Yeah, but it was it was down a, into a, a valley, <laughs> and you had to it was cobbled climb up back up. Yeah, which was my legs were already hurting, so I wasn't too. That's why I wasn't too keen to go down. Well, yeah. I'm glad I did because it was a nice Christmas market down in a cute village. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Monchau is nice. So uh, Monchau, you then your next destination is basically Arken. Yeah, and then I can't remember what I did the next night. So where I probably, were you? I probably were you staying in Arken. I probably slept in a field in Arken. Uh, yeah, outside Arken. Yeah, yeah, I did. I, that was no. I cycled all the way into um, the Netherlands that day to Heerlen. Yeah. So I, I wanted to get into the Netherlands, which is my last country until England, really. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to get into, even though I did a little stretch into Belgium the next day, um, I wanted to get into the Netherlands. There's a little finger. There is a tiny little bit, isn't there? Um, like Maastricht is and stuff. Yeah. So yeah. I, I got into the Netherlands that day and then had my last night camping, in in the Netherlands. So I I think I slept in it, out in the open in every country I went through. And yeah, then you stayed in, with somebody in Utrecht. Yeah, so old, yeah, old school friends. So from from like from from Heerlen to your trek, is that a day? Yeah, or was so, that two days? Uh, one day, just one day. Yeah, because so Netherlands the, is the whole, small, the whole isn't Netherlands it? was one day basically. Yeah, that, that was my last day over 100 miles. Yeah, um, that's a good point to actually ask. What kind of mileages are you doing? Um, what's your top mileage? What's what's your lowest mileage? What's my, your average mileage? My biggest days were in China. I was doing 260 kilometers. Is that because you could or you had to? No, I just fancied it. Um, I could have gone further, but my lights always died. Because you've got more daylight at this point, so that helps. And then Tajikistan, it was down to like 60, 70 kilometers a day. It was just up and down at 4,600 meters. Altitude is going to... And I had food poisoning some days. Yeah. Um, And then Europe was like 180 a day kilometers. It was around the 150 to 200 kilometer mark that I was doing each day for four months. Mm-hmm. So the way you've described it is your your base fitness is really good now. Yeah. So you're looking to, to go racing again and you're thinking, well, yeah. long distance races are not going to phase you really at the moment. Yeah. Well, the world feels much smaller now. <laughs> I can get to China in four months. <laughs> yeah, true. So you are now in Utrecht. Yeah. And you're staying with a friend from school, and then we're now coming to where I meet you. Yeah. Because you leave Utrecht, uh, you're on bike path. So in the whole of the Netherlands, you're on bike path, yeah? Pretty much. Yeah. There was a time when a, a mountain biker passed me and then took me on some trails. Mm-hmm. Which was fun. Mm-hmm. So I, it meant I didn't have to look at the map. I did have to, back in Europe, I had to look at the map a lot more. And I took a few, a lot more wrong turns. Whereas in China, Central Asia, I was just There's one straight. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can't be wrong. Yeah. Okay, so you're in retract, you leave, and we then meet up on this this coastal bike path where, yeah. you know, it's we, we, I, I can't miss you and we're, we're going to be passing a, 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 at some point. We're getting closer and closer. We meet up and then we go to 
So the giant factory yeah. in Leylistad. So basically, yeah. you've gone all the way from Shanghai yeah. giant factory to the giant factory in Leylistad, which is the European hub. Yeah. And where they're making bikes, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're shipping the frames yeah. in and sometimes they paint them, but mainly mm-hmm. they're shipping them in and a cell middle. And yeah. it's, it's a factory. It's not, yeah. and it's not just, you know, it's not just a, uh, a warehouse. It's actually mm-hmm. a factory where they're making bikes. So that's pretty cool. And then yeah. Frank, the, 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 the second in command of that place takes us around. Mm-hmm. And then we, he, he lives 25 kilometers away in Almira. And so he, which we were going to, yeah. so he then takes us yeah. uh, on his nature route. And then, of course, that's where we, I nearly crash yeah. <laughs> and bring you down. And then you been... break your legs. Yeah, that was, that was going to be dodgy because it was a... A cattle uh, grid. Yeah, it was a cattle grid. And he didn't know it was there. I certainly didn't know it was you there. You almost went into it sideways. I did. Well, my... I, Okay, what you need uh, kit-wise, we know what I need is a bike with disc brakes because with them, I'm wearing brakes. And I didn't really, and because a lot of dirt around and, you know, I've got a road bike on dirt paths and it's like, I had no brakes. I just, mm-hmm. I almost had to steer that way because I couldn't have stopped. So yeah, that was, that was quite dodgy. We, we, I nearly crashed and, and you would have crashed yep. into me. Uh, and we were, we were going on a feral lick, weren't we? You, you, you. What? <laughs> You, you two are both on really light road bikes with no front panniers. Well, I'm looking behind thinking, yeah, Josh is doing that, right? I, I'm just <laughs> hanging on, sticking out really wide because I've got two front panniers on the front with a 20 kilograms of weight on my bike. Um, you're dead fit though, Josh. Yeah, I, 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 was, I was keeping up, but it was an effort. <laughs> but at that point, we didn't know where we were going to sleep. We were going to sleep in Almira because we, I knew you wanted to get to Amsterdam and the, the mm-hmm. day after we had to get to the... To the the dfds ferry but we didn't know where we're going to stay but we just thought oh we're so close Mm -hmm. we may as well just keep on pedaling so we in through the dark we just pedaled through into into amsterdam and then we did stay in a in a a posh hotel because you're with me now yeah so i'm not gonna sleep in a hostel anymore i'm Mm -hmm. I'm way beyond that and my my um bumming it days are over i'm gonna stay in a posh hotel Mm -hmm. so we we turn up at a posh hotel (laughs) Two incredibly filthy bikes. Yeah, I, I would have just wheeled them straight straight in, but mm. you, you you didn't want to. I, well, they were incredibly filthy. You know, they were yeah, but, they were something so else. So you went up to the to ask if we could go and take the bikes in, and I was still outside freezing, <laughs> shivering away. And then you come out and say, "Oh, I can't stay there," and they won't let us bring the bikes in. No, but no. if we'd just brought them in, I think it would have been fine. Yeah, just pay for it and then just walk in with filthy bike and go up to the room. Yeah. Okay, so then we are pretty much, we're now in Amsterdam, we've stayed the night, and then we've just got to get back to, and then you get a rainy day, don't you? You kind of like, you get a, I mean, that, that yeah. trip yeah, to that the ferry. Yeah, it wasn't so nice going to the ferry. It, it wasn't, wasn't very it? far, but. It felt further, though, because of the bad weather. Yeah, yeah headwind and not very nice rain. <laughs> yeah. Straight into our face. Yeah, but then we got the nice ferry trip. And then you were met at the ship. Who, who met you at the ship? My mother and my grandparents. Yeah. And then, then we cycled. So your mum cycled out to see us. Yeah. And we then cycled back. And then what did you, what did you do? Because you didn't, you didn't come straight back with us, did you? You kind of like... I went to the bike shop. <laughs> so which bike shop's that then? Uh, backyard bike shop. And that's the one under the Time Bridge, yeah? Yeah. So what were you doing there? 
I went to see Nick and uh, had a good chat. It was on the way home, so I thought I may as well. And then, and then basically wound your way home. And what have you done since you've been back at home then? Rope a bike. Yeah. Got a massage. Yeah. Uh-huh. Went in a sauna. Is it, what, what does it feel like now? Because, I mean, you're just bumming around and not doing a great deal. Is that is that something you want to do, just, like, to chill out, to, like, do nothing for a while? Or are you itching to get away again? What, what's, no. what's your... Well, I'm, I'm in the process of entering for the transcontinental. Whether I get in or not is another thing. So describe what that is. Uh, it's a bikepacking race across Europe, basically. Self-supported. And you just go as fast as you can. But I definitely need better lights for that. Mm. and a dynamo mm. um, so I, I know when I came back from my trips I definitely had itchy feet still mm-hmm. do, do you still feel like that you feel oh, as yeah, though you, kind of, you want to be still moving there's definitely a place I want to go I'll so, race again a bit so if you get into the transcontinental when is that it's end of July August so it'll be just two two or three weeks of just riding non-stop again bivvying or do, yeah, people, bivvy. do people go in B&Bs for that no it's bivvy Everybody's bivvy? Um, I'm not sure about the stragglers, but all the top guys are. <laughs> <laughs> so basically you just ride until you... Yeah, it's, you're, you're it's self-supported, yeah. You ride until you can't ride no more, sleep for two hours, and then you continue riding. So you have got this plan for the Transcontinental. Yeah. Um, Potentially, well, if I get in. If you get in, it, it's, it's a ballot, isn't it? Yeah. So you're not it's not a ballot, it's like, it's like highly contested. Or do they, do they like... They choose. But, you, you know, because at 22, and we've got to stress, this is a pretty young age to be doing what you've been doing. Yeah, people ultra endurance tend to be a bit older, don't they? Mm. Mm. But yeah, it's, it's, it's something... I like racing and I like bike touring, so Transcontinental is like right up my street. Okay, so that's coming up in the, in the summer. If you get mm-hmm. into that, good luck with that. Um, when you... Well, I was certainly posting on Twitter your, your exploits and your videos and stuff. And so uh, the Leicester Cycling Campaign said, you must come and give a, a talk. So you've got a talk mm-hmm. uh, book down there uh, at some point. You've also got a talk coming up Yeah, for the North, North like Time Trial Awards. Because you've never really done that before, have you? What do you think? I'm going to be more nervous for talking in front of people than I was riding along next to Afghanistan for 300 kilometres. Thanks to Josh Reed there. The videos we mentioned can be found on YouTube and I link to them on the show notes at the-spokesmen.com. I'll also link to Josh's Instagram photos. He's Josh Reeds on that platform, which is Josh R-E-I-D-S. I'm really proud of Josh's ride and loving the fact that he's sort of following in my wheel tracks. He's now spent a couple of years riding and travelling and working abroad, as I did back in the um, (coughs) 1980s. This has been show 231 of the Spokesman Cycling Podcast. The next couple of shows will be one-on-one interviews with American cycle advocates and academics. Meanwhile, get out there and ride.
话，我的目标是去珠穆朗玛峰。Okay, to the mountain Everest. That's my point. Okay, and I will go to England one day to find you. Okay, sounds good. Okay, give me five. Okay, that's it. Now, okay, hope to see you, Josh. Right.